0: Well, I love that we are in the middle of a three-part series where we're talking about uh, different songs that our church has written. Of course, those songs are based on the Word of God and our relationship with God. But I love that some of the songs we write are for our house, like our church. And then there's other songs that we write that go around the world. And uh, recently we just had Ages. They just came out with a new project. Absolutely love, love, love. Can't stop listening to the songs that are on there. And then, of course, on our uh, attention devotional uh, EP that we just set out uh, we had this beautiful song on there East to West and when the worship team was singing that and you know as I'm getting ready for service the worship team's rehearsing and getting ready I, I, I heard it for the first time uh, and I, I, I ran up to uh, Caleb Moore and, and he's in the back I said who wrote that and, and he's like, ah, uh, and I'm, I'm just wondering at that moment, like, did we write that? That's what I want to know. Like, did we write that? that? That's really good. That's like my endorsement. If I say, who wrote that? I'm not mad. I just want to know who wrote it, you know, and especially I'm praying that it was us because and, and, I liked it. And, and he said, it was us. And I said, oh, I'm preaching a sermon with that one. I am preaching a sermon. It just immediately brought me to the scripture uh, of East to West in Psalm 103. And I want to read it to you. Now, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up and go Psalm 103 in verse 8. I'll start there, and then we'll get to verse 12, which is where the east to west is. But it says this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, And that's where we get east to west. And I absolutely just love that song. I was like, east to west, east to west. I immediately went to that scripture and grabbed a hold of it. And I love that our songs are written in, in light of the scripture. And even like last week, I thought Pastor Kirk did a great job. Like, is joy not his sweet spot? Like joy, evangelism and joy. But so he took that one and I'm taking east to west. And I absolutely love, and I want to jump right into the scripture. I have so many scriptures today. Um, Stay with me. Stay with me. You might need to watch this one again and, and pause it and do it like that. But I'm just, there's so much there. But when it says he's uh, removed our transgressions from us, that's a word for sin. And it's a word that covers all of the things that we've done. It doesn't like make the list, it's really like a blanket term that covers all the things that we've done wrong before God. And it says he's removed them from us. I mean, past, present, Future, known, unknown, big, small, all, forgiven, taken away, removed from us. And I absolutely love that. Now, they're removed from us if we ask for forgiveness. We have to ask for forgiveness of our sins. And when we do that, he forgives us of our sins. And I'm going to talk about sin today. I'm going to talk about sin. And sin is a really big deal. It is a really big deal. It's a deadly thing. It's a really, really big deal. But you would not know it by the way we're living in the world today. I'm surprised at how little people even talk about sin, how little churches talk about sin. Uh, I I just have realized that if the church stops preaching about sin, if we stop talking about sin and we don't make sin for what it really is, a bad, terrible, evil thing that separates us from God, that deserves death, I mean, if we don't talk about it, well, if we don't have sin in the world, then we don't, why do we need a savior? We just need chaplain Jesus. We don't need savior Jesus, because what does he save us from? He saves us from our sins. And so if we don't talk about sins. We don't need a savior. And if we don't need a savior, why do we really need the church? I mean, what is it? if the church is just not doing humanitarian good, what do we need them for? Because we would judge them by their humanitarian good, not by the fact that they preach and help people get set free from their sin. And if we don't need the church, then pretty soon the church becomes the enemy of society that says, I want to live the way that I want to live. I want to go the way that I want to do in my world of self-expression and my truth. And by the way, I don't like you anymore because you're not doing humanitarian good. We're not needed anymore. And we become the enemy of the world if we don't preach about sin. And so newsflash to all pastors that might be watching this, we got to preach about sin more often. I don't mind that our, our song, East to West, even talks about the word sin. It says the word sin in there, and, and then later it says guilt and shame. And, I, and sometimes I'm going to sing it now, guilt and sin, because I just, I, I just realized my sin has been taken east to west. Not just my shame, but I love that the song does have sin in it, and it talks about that. But sin is a really big deal. When we see about sin in Genesis 4, God is speaking to Cain. And he says, like, sin is crouching at the door. It is trying to overtake you. Sin is seen as like an ultimate predator to mankind, and it's trying to destroy us. And I want you to be clear that the Bible says that all of us have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all done it. Every single one of us has sinned. Then the Bible tells us that this sin... set." This sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 nine two. it says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. Sin, it's a very big deal. It's so big, the Bible says that our sin deserves the death penalty. That's what it says. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that when it talks about the the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death, that it goes right away, like, but Jesus, but Jesus takes care of it, and we can have eternal life. And and, and because we're so far removed from sin as a society, we say things like, well, it's just an indiscretion. It's just my personal choice. Um, It's the way I'm wired. It was a mistake. I just made a mistake, you know like, Lord, I confess my mistakes to you, you know, I mean, it's sin. It's sin. That's what it is. And and, and it's something that we're all guilty of. And so you're like, okay, he's saying sin. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does sin mean? Now, I want to give you a couple definitions because the Bible gives us a lot of different words that help us to understand what sin means. But simply put, sin is missing the mark. It's to fall short of God's righteousness and his requirements. And it's, the word sin is actually an archery term. And it was meaning like the, the arrow or the spear did not get to the bullseye. It missed the target. And God's righteousness and his holiness requires a life that hits the bullseye. And anytime we don't hit the bullseye, we fall short of his righteousness. We, we sin. And so, like, he's holy, he's perfect, he's righteous. And anytime we miss it, we fall short, and we sin. And so that's the term. It's saying missing the mark of his righteousness. The Oxford Dictionary says this, that sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. And we're, we're, we're trespassing. We're breaking it. We're, we're not, again, we're not living up to it. We're breaking the rules. We're breaking the law. Now, the Bible uses many words for sin. I was actually going to title this uh, sermon originally when I was studying for it, seven words for sin, and then I realized there's like 83 words for sin, all right? There's way more, and I think this, there's like 83 words, and there's like a thousand combinations. That's how I feel. Like when I was studying this, and I was just, oh my goodness, I was overwhelmed. Matter of fact, when I was prepping for this sermon, several times prepping for the sermon, I was on the airplane, um, different flights that I was going in the last couple weeks, and I was studying, and there was just a sense like, at, a, at a, one point, I was like, almost like hyperventilating about sin. I was so overwhelmed. I thought, I got to stop my studies right now. They're going to kick me off this plane. They're going to think like, sir, are you okay? Are you, don't rush the cockpit. I'm like, no, I'm running to grace right now. And, 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 I, and then I just like, oh, I got to think about grace. And then I put on the song East to West. And I got to let you know, I just like East to West, East to West. It's taken away, taken away, taken away. Now, I thank God that the Bible was not written in English, that it was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and it gives us rich words that helps us to understand this. And I want to use one verse has, like, three different words for sin in it. Um, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression, that's one of them, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Three different words. I mean, right there. And, and so we just slide right by it. A transgression implies defiance. It's a deliberate action against God. He's like, you know, blessed is the one whose defiance against God is forgiven. And then sin is like, again, missing the mark, not living up to his righteousness and his holiness. And then iniquity is a perverseness, like that you're warped, and you're not uh, true, and, and you've become perverse. And he's like, That's forgiven too by God. And there's so many different words that are there. And I thank God for this, that the Bible tells us that Jesus paid the price for our sins. I thank God for that. 1 Peter 2, 24 says that, speaking of Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Think about all of our sins were placed on Jesus. He personally carried them so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sins. That's what the church preaches. We're saved from our sins. We do a lot of good things, but we thank God that we are saved from our sins. Hebrews eight twelve says this, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Praise God for that. That he says, I'm not going to remember him anymore. He's going to give us grace. We don't work for it. And man, I, again, overwhelmed with all these different things of sin and how great God is. And when you, when you finally, I just encourage you, if, if you want to do like a word study on this, to, to take this sermon and dig in deeper at these words. And just realize, like, I mean, as I was going through I was like, guilty. Guilty this morning of that one. You know, like, guilty yesterday of that one. Guilty. I mean, I just, I, and I, I, Thank God for grace. Praise God for that. So I want to look at some of the words, not all of them. How many glad I'm not going to do 83? You know? <laughs> I'm not going to do 83. Um, but I want to look at a few of them, and I won't pronounce all of them. But um, hamartia, hamartia, that is missing the mark. That's the one that I use. It's used 265 times in the New Testament, and it's talking about missing the mark. And it's, it's really like hamartiology is the, really the study of sin. It's the study of sin and saying, because uh, that word is used so many times, it's like a general term for sin, and it encompasses all these other terms for sin. Hebrews 12.1 actually uses that word. Um, now, when you read in Hebrews 12one you one, you'll you'll know that that's what it's using. It's using that miss the mark, and it's therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us it's again missing the mark the, we're laying aside those things that we fall short but the bible goes from general to specific and i thank god you know i, I thank god that there's all these words because we had start going is that is that one on the list is is that one included and, and God's like yeah i got you I, that's it right here i got a word for that it's right here i had him write that it's right there okay now so I, again i'm not gonna do all 83 but i just picked out a few highlights Can you highlight sin? All right, I was like, so I got a few highlights, sorry. Uh, But so there's parabasis, okay? That means to go over and disregard, to violate. It's like when you intentionally cross the line. The Bible calls that sin when you intentionally cross the line, when you willfully disobey. And it, when, I, when I saw that word, you know what I thought of? I thought of toddlers. How If you have a toddler, if you ever raised a child, and you know that, that you're like, don't touch that. How many know there's a moment there? And sin is crouching at the door. <laughs> and they're like, what do you do with that? And they willfully touch it. Now, if you're a good parent, you're gonna have to discipline that. If you're a bad parent, you're gonna be like, Now, don't touch it again. You know, that's terrible parenting. The Bible says that attitude, that behavior, when you do that, when you willfully, okay, so let's go away from toddlers. When you willfully touch Adam and Eve, don't eat from the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do they do? They grab it. They knew. They knew what to do, and they still went and did it. Now, there's also a word for sin that talks about willfully breaking God's written word. Not just the things he said, but the written word, like the written things he said, thou shalt not. When you break that, in Titus 2.14, that's the word that's used there in wickedness. It says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, willfully breaking the written words of God, okay, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own Eager to do what is good. Isn't it interesting? Right, right in there in Titus, it's saying, like, those that are willingly breaking the known written word of God. And then he says, but God wants to change you and might, wants to make you eager to do the good things. It's right there. So it's so beautiful, like, that the Bible is showing us, like, it's so beautiful that the Bible is showing us how sinful we are. I mean, really, we are. There's a word for sin that actually covers unintentional slip-ups. Because people are like, well, I I just slipped. It was a slippage. Didn't didn't mean to do it. It just I I was in the wrong place, wrong time. I'm I'm, I'm weak. And God's like, don't give me your excuse. I got a word for that one. I got a word for that one there. And by the way, how many know that God does not, you know, like, forgive us of our excuses? He forgives us when we confess our sins. And so he's like, I got a word for that. I got a word for when you're weak and you unintentionally slip up. And fall into sin. He's, he's like, I've also got a word for sin that talks about defeat or deterioration of what was once strong, that you let it deteriorate away. He's like, there's a sin word for that. There's a word that uh, covers for sin like the unwillingness to hear. Like, you know, you're like, I don't hear it. La, 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 la. You know, he's like, I got, a, I got a word for that as far as sin. Do you understand? This is where the thousand combinations come from. There's a word for sin that covers wickedness and evil, which we think would be very obvious, but as you, there's a clear word for it for sin that covers wickedness and evil, and the Bible says it's sin, it's wrong, and it needs to be repented of. There, there's there's words that um, even cover sins of ignorance. There's a word that covers the sin of ignorance, um, and so this this is basically on the uh, the thought of ignorance to the law is no excuse. Maybe you've heard that. Have you heard that? Ignorance to the law is no excuse. Because here's what it means. Here's, a, here's what it means. Like, think about this. If you go to Saudi Arabia, you can't drink alcohol in Saudi Arabia. It's against, against the law, right? But you're an American, and you go there. And you go to Saudi Arabia, and you, you drink alcohol, right? And then they arrest you and throw you in jail. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I didn't know that, that Alcohol was against the law. And they're like, ignorance to the law is no excuse. You broke the law. Think about it. If, if they didn't have that stance, if God didn't have that stance, we'd all be like, I didn't know. Didn't know. Didn't want to read my Bible to know the words. Didn't, I, I picked a church that didn't even talk about it so I could claim ignorance on judgment day because I didn't even know. And God's like, ignorance is no excuse. You're still guilty of the things that you do out of Ignorance. And I'm I'm actually glad though that society has like this rule, like ignorance to the law is no excuse. Because honestly, I mean, think about it. A criminal could break into your house and be like, "I didn't didn't know that it was against the law to steal their stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know. We use the word steal. Well, I didn't know it was law to reappropriate their stuff into my house. You know, I, know I mean, you would just. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm grateful that God holds us to that standard, and that society does that as well, and says, you know, ignorance to the law is no excuse. And can you see where, like, as I'm looking at all this, like, we're doomed. We are just doomed. We are doomed. We are doomed. I'm just reading. And I probably had to take a break in my sermon prep right there. Whew. Okay, but there's the beautiful thing about this is God showed us in the Old Testament before Jesus got here, and in the New Testament, talking about his life, and, and from there on, he shows us, like, I understand. And I even have something to cover your sins of ignorance, on the Day of Atonement, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go and make a sacrifice for all the children of Israel, for all the Jewish people, for sins of ignorance. Because they'd know, like, what if I did something I didn't? What if I didn't ask for forgiveness? What if I, what if I didn't? What if I? What, oh, no, what if I forgot something? And God's like, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. And on the Day of Atonement, I'm going to have the priest do this. Hebrews 9, 7 says this. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the pe- that the people had committed in ignorance. Isn't that interesting? God's like, I got a word for it, and I got a remedy for it. I got a word for it, and I got a remedy for it. when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins he's even forgiving you of the ones that you commit in ignorance you're like like, but I didn't know that he's like I've forgiven you like if you ask me to forgive you now now that doesn't give us permission I think about what Paul says like should we go on sinning so that grace may abound like grace is so awesome and, and sin's so bad but you know and he's like no don't do that we really have an obligation as followers of Jesus Christ to look into the word of God and say what are the words for sin what I don't want to do them I don't want to do the things that God says not to do. I want to do like Titus said and and do like the righteous things and go that way with it. And so uh, I love this, that God's like, I've got a remedy for this. I want you to know that I have covered you completely. When you ask for forgiveness, you are covered completely of all your sins. Love it, love it, love it. Now, why is East? To west best, because you're like pastor rob this song was like east to west and you're not even there yet. you're not even okay we're gonna get there we're gonna get there but i i just wanted us to not miss how bad sin is and and you know as an optimist you know like i always say like i'm glass half full and comes with three refills, and I'm a happy person. I mean, even preaching about sin, I'm kind of like, have I just preached a little too happy about sin? Like I, like, I mean, I think about like Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, and the way that some of the preachers that I've seen on TV that are like, sinner! You know, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not mad at you, okay? If you're saying I'm not mad. I mean, I, I want you to know how serious your sin is. I I just want to, I want to get you to the remedy. Like, imagine, like, somebody's got a terrible disease and you got the cure. I mean, I wouldn't be like, you know how bad your disease is? I'd be like, here's the cure, okay? Now, if they didn't want to take the cure, then I'd have to go back to, like, here's how bad your disease is. But I'm trying to, okay, sometimes my mom will tell me, she's like, you got to realize people are way more sinful than you give them credit for, you know? So I'm just, I guess I'm balancing all that right now, so. But why is east to west the best? Um, when you're convicted of your sins and you repent of them, that means to turn away from them and turn towards God. You're repenting. I, I don't want to do this anymore, and I want to tur- I'm turning away from that. I don't want those things in my life anymore, and I want to turn to you. Like Repenting doesn't mean like, yeah, Jesus, forgive me of this because I still want to do some more. It means I want to turn away from that and turn towards you. So when you're convicted of your sin and you know what you've done wrong, you, you turn from that and you turn toward Jesus and you ask him to forgive you, he gives you that grace and he gives you that forgiveness and he takes away your sins and he says they're gone. They're gone. Now I know that this is where I want to camp out for just a few minutes here. Um, I thank God for this, that he says your sins are gone and we're going to get to east to west because east to west is best. I'm just telling you. As I look at it, I'm like, that one just should seal the deal for us. But I, 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 they're gone. Our sins are gone. When we're forgiven, our sins are gone. And the enemy, the devil, will, will will say, like, I don't think he's forgiven that one. You know, that one was really bad. That one was, like, super bad. Like, that one you're going to have to hold on to and make sure that he's forgiven you that one. No, they're forgiven. They're gone. They're done. Okay? I mean, I thought about this. Could you imagine serving a God that gave you like like this assurance, like, hey, all the things you've done wrong in your life, all the evil that's in your life, not sure if I'm going to forgive it. I don't know how I could function serving a God that was like, not sure, not sure. How, How will I know that I can be sure? Like, I do, and then that would probably put me on a, 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 a journey of trying to do so many good works to try to, like, da-da! Do we move from not sure to pretty sure? You know, like, da-da! If I give all the money to the poor, da-da! You know, you see what I'm saying? I don't know how I could live. Okay, true confession, like, I can't even live with my doors not locked at night, okay? Anybody else with me? Like, I'll be getting ready to go to bed. I'll lay down in bed, <clears throat> and I'll be like, is the door locked? Yeah, the door's locked. When you came in, you locked the door. For sure you did. You locked the door. Do you remember locking the door? You're pretty sure. You always locked the door. And I'll lay there. i like, gotta get up. I don't care what time it is. I mean, I can be comfortable in bed. It could be freezing outside. And I'll be like, I got, I, how many with me? How many with me? Show your hand. Like, I have to get up. I have to walk to the door. Check it. Sometimes I even do this. I like open the garage door. Like, okay, the garage door's shut. I, I do remember shut. Because one time I forgot to shut the garage door. Like, and the door is open, and the, the police left a little Post-it note. On, no kidding. Police left a Post-it note on my windshield, and said, hey, you forgot to shut your garage door. We shut it for you. You know, shut your door, Pastor Rob. And I was like, how do they know I'm Pastor Rob? You know. And then another, t- another time they left me a Post-it note, and it said, too many people at your small group, Pastor Rob. The circle was too full. You know, I was like, so they were leaving me post The police leave Post-it notes for me. All right, yeah. Um, but it kind of freaked me out. Like, I left my door open. And so if I'm laying in bed, I can't even, my mind cannot rest. I got to check the door. Did I lock, am I certain that I locked the door? Now think about this. Think about going through life wondering, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he forgave me. Pretty sure. I hope so. Imagine like being in another faith, different religion that you did not know. Do you know how fortunate we are to have a God the God that forgives us of our sins and says, I've forgotten. i am removed them from you so far as the east is from the west. I have sealed the deal. Like, gone. We don't, you're like, are you sure? We have to get up in the middle of the night to lock the door. Okay? But I, I just want to go through a progression because I, I had this thought when I was preparing this. I felt like the Lord gave it to me, and it was like a progression for those of you that still have not grabbed hold of the fact that when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, they're gone, gone, gone. All right? And I just kind of went through this progression, so humor me for just a minute. Because God gives us all sorts of promises that he forgives us of our sins. And if he even gave us one, we should bank our life on it, all right? But he gives us a bunch. But they get progressively better. And I know that sounds weird to say that God's promises get progressively better. But I think they – here's what I mean. The enemy keeps attacking these promises. And, like, east to west is, like, unattackable, at least the way I see it, all right? So, okay. But so God says he'll forget them in Hebrews eight twelve for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That should be enough. You should be like, boop, drop the mic, let's go. He forgives them. We're gone, they're done. But here's what happens. The devil says, well, you can't forgive and forget. Like, how can God forgive and forget? And how does God really forget? And can God really forget? Because I don't know how God, who could do anything, could actually forget. And so you're like, promise, torment, thought, get up and check the door. You know, like, that's how you're like, ah, ah. But then we're not done, There's more progression. Then God says, I'll blot them out. Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. But even with blotting out, the enemy says, well, you know, have you ever tried to scratch out something, then you hold it up to a light, and then you can kind of read through, and you can see the original words, you know, if he blots them out, you and so the... Am I the only one that thinks like this? Like, okay, lots of people that lock the door. And I think that, you know, like you could look through the light and read what was there, you know. And so, but God's like, okay, I blot them out. And then he says, I, he says this, which I love this scripture, Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen. He says, but in love, you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Isn't that interesting? And so, but I thought about this, like, you know, like, it's almost like God's like, okay, here's your sins. And he's like, I've thrown them behind my back. And you're like, no, they're right there. They're right there. And you're like, no, they're behind my back. And it's like a magic trick. Like, no, they're right there. And you're like, God's like, no, they're behind my back. So when he says they're behind, it's not like a magic trick, like with with God. He's saying, it's like a saying, like, I put them behind my back. Like, I have forgotten them. Like, I, I don't remember them. They're gone. They're gone. But Again, my own active imagination is like, no, they're right there. I feel like Blue's Clues. Right there, right there, again, right there. okay. So, okay. But he says, guess what? I, 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 I forget them. I, I blot them out. I put them behind my back. Uh, do you understand how forgiven you are? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And then. Okay, then he gives us another one. Micah 719. He says, once again, you have compassion us. You will trample our sins under your feet. And what? Throw them into the depths of the ocean. I mean, like, think Marianas Trench. I think deepest spot. In the, like, he's like, I've thrown your sins there. They're gone. Like, you can't get to them. And then the devil says, oh, no. Elon Musk could invent a submarine that could get there and find them. You know, Elon Musk could do it, and you're like, "Okay, Elon Musk is going to find my sins, and they're in Mariana's Trench, and he can get there, and he can he's going to figure out how to do it with a Tesla." I don't know. And so, they, and they, you're like, "I want to do devotions with Pastor Rob. You should." All right, that's fine. All right, he can't. He can't get there. He, Elon Musk can't get there. Nobody can get there. The devil can't get there. You can't get there. God's like, they're they're in the depths of the ocean. I've given you so many. And then God just like seals the deal, seals the deal with east to west. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. East to west is best. He didn't say north to south, because if it was north to south, if you go towards the North Pole, as soon as you go past it and you start coming out, you're now going south. So north to south is, we can figure it out, but east to west is gone, gone. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for east is, really means everlasting. And he's saying, I have taken your sins. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to be set free today and realize your sins are gone. Stop living like, oh, coming into church like, oh. oh. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you don't have to come in. Oh, you should come in east to west. East to west is best. East to west, gone, 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 not hidden behind. Uh, gone. For, taken away. No matter how far you go east, you're never going to be going west. As long as you keep going east, you're not going west. You understand? East, west, it's eternally separated, infinitely separated, not able to be connected, gone. That's what God says he's done. So some of you need to be set free and realize east to west. God's forgiven you. That huge sin problem with all those words and all those combinations and all those things that we do, God's like, if you ask for forgiveness, I put those sins on Jesus Christ, and now I've taken them away from you east to west. Do not serve God and walk around like, well, I don't know, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure, I might be sure, I could be sure, I might be. No, if you have asked him to forgive you, you know, you know that he has forgiven you of your sins East to west, and you are forgiven. I pray we sing that song, and we sing it like like we mean it, like we know, like of east to west is best. Lord, you have taken those sins away because I asked you to forgive me. You gave me what I didn't deserve. Thank you, God, for grace. East to west is best. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to sing this song, to live this scripture out, to live it out. Thank you that even one promise would have been amazing, that you said you would forgive them and forget them, because that would be true, and it is. Thank you, God, that you blot them out. Thank you, God, that you throw them behind your back. Thank you, God, that you do all those things, but thank you, God, that you have taken our sins so far from us, east to west, not able to be found again, gone, Gone, gone. And I pray today for people that need to make that decision. They still are living in their sin. They're living in their combination of thousands of combinations. They look at their life and they wonder what can happen. Lord Jesus, in one moment today, they could call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And I pray they'd take that opportunity, they'd do that, and then sing East to West with a joy, with a confidence, with a hope, forgiven, gone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen.